following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Before we get going, I have a quick favor to ask. We need you to fill out a short survey. Just go to podcastone.com slash my survey or visit podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. The survey is completely anonymous and your responses will help us match the right advertisers to the right show. If you've filled out a survey in the past, we thank you, but we still need you to do it again. With your help, we can keep the Forbes interview free to download and with minimal ads. Again, that's podcastone.com slash my survey or please visit podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. Thank you again. And we ended up on the terrace of his apartment at the San Remo Towers that he just bought. It was a triple X apartment. And we're looking out uh, over the Hudson River. And I turned to Steve. We're standing on the balcony. I said, Steve, I've thought about it. I'm, I'm not coming to Apple. He looked down for the longest time. And then he looked up at me and stared me straight in the eye. And he said, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? <laughs> or do you want to come with me and change the world? Welcome to the Forbes interview. I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, I'll do in-depth interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. And support for Forbes interview comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Thank you for joining us for part two of the Forbes interview with your host, Steve Bertoni, and special guest CEO and master marketer, John Scully. You've, seen, you've met so many incredible CEOs that we put on pedestals um, in the media these days. Who are some of like, the truly most like, inter- interesting, inspiring um, kind of business leaders you've, you've seen through your whole journey? Well, I've been really lucky because I've been around some... Uh, amazingly talented people. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the current leadership of, of some of the most valuable companies today are every bit as good, if not better, than, than the, the CEOs I, I was um, exposed to coming up. As an example, um, when I look at Elon Musk, mm-hmm. uh, what he's doing with Tesla, um, instead of saying, you know, how do you make a better car? You know, he zoomed out you know, a Steve Jobs uh, way of thinking about things and said, you know, let's reconsider everything to do with transportation mm-hmm. and see it in a different way. Um, you can see that with other leadership in new companies, whether it's Uber and Lyft, whether it's Airbnb, you know, the so-called asset light yep. uh, companies. Um, it isn't just that their models are asset light. It's that they saw things in a different way. I was lucky enough to uh, be working with the MIT Media Lab mm-hmm. back at the time that uh, Jerry Wiesner, uh, who had been the president of MIT, and, and Nicholas Negroponte founded it. And what I learned, because I got to work with, with um, and Apple was, was uh, deeply involved with yeah. me. I was on the um, advisory board for 17 years at the MIT Media Lab. 
And I got exposed to some amazing uh, individuals there. One was Marvin Minsky. Mm-hmm. And Marvin is one of the fathers of today. It was an amazing five months that I got to know Steve. And Marvin used to say, you don't really understand something until you understand it more than one way. Mm-hmm. And the more I go through life, uh, just like that noble cause I learned from Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, uh, to understand the same set of facts more than one way is what these geniuses do. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, an example. Um, if, you, if, if you take what um, Elon Musk did with automobiles, he didn't just see that the automobile was about putting an electric engine in the car. Mm-hmm. He saw that you had to change the entire infrastructure. Yeah, how are you going to charge these cars? That led him into uh, solar energy technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now he's launched a b- business of roof tiles. I saw that, yeah. You know, to, um, and his goal is to become the largest company in the world to build roof tiles uh, using solar power. Uh, so these geniuses who take the same facts that are available to everybody else. I mean, all the facts were available for General Motors and for Ford and other companies in the auto industry, Toyota. Uh, Why didn't they come out Mm -hmm. and build um, the kind of visionary products that Elon Musk did? Well, what did they do? They went out and they said, well, we're not sure the market's ready, so we'll do something that's a hybrid. Uh, And they try to modify an existing car and, and yeah, kind of something. slowly wean our way into yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that's not how great innovation is done. Great innovation is done, um, you know, Greenfield, when you start mm-hmm. out and say, there has to be a better way. And you look at it uh, without prior bias to something else. So the, the people I admire, the ones who are taking on entirely new ways of thinking about things, whether it's Larry Page and Sergey Brin, mm-hmm. whether it's Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, people who are just saying, you know, we're at an amazing point of time. Um, never in my lifetime have we had so many exponentially growing technologies as we have right now. Well, that's obvious that these things are commoditizing and they're mm-hmm. available. But as you zoom out again uh, and think about it, we as humans have been living for s- centuries with linear time. And we kind of know intuitively that things happen, you know, weeks, mm-hmm. months, years. But now we're living in exponential time. And a good example of that was back in 2007 when Kodak, who invented the digital camera, who was the largest photo printer in the world, uh, totally understood that digital photography was coming. But they were in a marketing battle with Walmart over the single-use silver halide film uh, camera. And Those little, the little uh, cardboard ones? You bet. Yeah, that's it. And so what did they do? Um, they doubled down on their vertical integration for processing of those little cardboard and plastic single-use cameras at exactly the same time when Steve Jobs uh, came out with the iPhone wow, yeah. because he saw something that other people didn't. The facts were all there that uh, we're, we're now into digital uh, cell phones. Uh, we're moving from 2G, which was mm-hmm. about text, and we're going to 3G, which meant we could send photos. Yep. And Steve realized that if you took an uh, iPod and put a phone chip in it, uh, that you could actually send photos over this iPod with a phone chip in it, which became known as, as the iPhone. And then Steve 
realized with iTunes that had been so successful with the iPod that instead of just offering uh, songs, that you could actually put little apps mm-hmm. you know, on the iPhone, and that became the App Store. So what happened? You know, four years later, uh, Kodak, that had been a $26 billion market cap company, what goes bankrupt, and Apple becomes the, the beginning of its journey to becoming the most valuable company in the world. The point being that Kodak knew the world was going to change the digital photography. They yeah. just never expected it would happen in that four years. So that's going to happen in industry after industry because it's not just uh, Moore's Law that's uh, changing every couple of years, mm-hmm. doubling uh, the number of transistors you can put on the same size wafer, but it's everything is changing. Everything is changing. And so we live in a time of exponential change. So if you are an entrepreneur and you're thinking about building a company, you have to not only put it first in the context of solving a big customer problem, but you also have to put it into the context that what used to take three years can be done in three months. What used to take three months can be done in three weeks. And that's the world we live in. So something that seems expensive uh, is now inexpensive. Something that, that seemed, which were barriers to entry. Uh, if you wanted to start a software company 20 years ago, you, you better have at least $10 million. Yeah. T- today, all you need is a credit card. Yep. Um, so the opportunities for entrepreneurs are amazingly different than anything that we've seen in prior decades. Well, you mentioned before how basically the photo revolution took only four years instead of decades. What in the next four years is going to, what's your prediction is going to kind of knock us sideways? There's so many neat things going on, and I'm lucky enough that I'm still out there being able to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't run these companies anymore, but uh, I'm a trusted advisor to a few and an investor with my wife, Diane. And uh, the most exciting one for me right now is healthcare. Healthcare. So uh, I remember 10 years ago, Bob Metcalf, who is the inventor of Ethernet, which is the uh, protocols for what the internet is yeah. built on, uh, was telling a group of us, um, he holds a, a big boys campus, he calls it every summer, this would be the 23rd year, where we go off to an island in Maine, and it's all engineers mm-hmm. from Silicon Valley and uh, MIT and so forth. And Bob said, you know, you have to reinvent yourself every 10 years, John. And I thought about that 10 years ago, and I said, yeah, I've, what shall I reinvent myself as? <laughs> and I decided I wanted to do something entirely different. I wanted to go in healthcare because here was this giant industry that was intimidating to people because of its mm-hmm. complexity and yet had problems that eventually high tech should be able to help address. So and it's a massive market. And, and massive so market. Important to- and then I looked at, so why haven't the high tech um, innovators gone into the healthcare industry? And, and the, the basic answer that I... Um, came up with was that it's it's, it's just too complicated. Mm. It's a regulated industry. It's got thousands of rules and regulations and protocols and conventions. Yeah. It's life and, or death. You can't yeah. you can't experiment. You can experiment, but you can't. Uh, and, you know. and then I looked inside the uh, healthcare industry and I said, so why haven't these um, executives? Because many of them, much like Kodak, had talented people. They mm. always hired the smartest kids in the engineering schools they went to. Uh, there's some very talented, smart people in the healthcare industry. But they all move around uh, within their own industry. Uh, you don't see people moving in from other, other industries mm-hmm. as much as you do in, in uh, industries that have radically changed, you know, like e-commerce and telecommunications and financial services. So 
uh, I said, I'm going to spend time to learn the complexity of healthcare. And I think I can bring something with my consumer background and with my high-tech background. And so uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, meet the founder of the company that my wife Diane and I are involved with, uh, Ravi Ika from RX Advance, mm-hmm. um, he is everything you want a CEO uh, entrepreneur to be. Uh, a great intellect, a great leader, knows how to solve problems, attracts talented people, uh, has a great reputation, gets stuff medic- done. Does he have a healthcare background or a tech background? He, he has a healthcare background, mm-hmm. but 16 years in health tech. Gotcha. And he was very successful before I ever met him in his his previous company. And he has built a company called RX Advance. And it has gone into one of the uh, stodgiest, um, controversial parts of the healthcare industry, which is what are called PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers. What are those? Pharmacy benefit managers are the companies that adjudicate the reimbursement of uh, benefits between the pharmaceutical companies and the health plans. So this is really sexy stuff here. Really sexy stuff. <laughs> However, what he realized was that uh, it's required by regulations that every time a doctor writes a prescription, it must be recorded for the clinical mm-hmm. claims and related lab data, and that these PBMs, the pharmacy benefit management companies, were using this data to be able to manage at the back end, you know, deep in the bowels of healthcare. Uh, the benefits between the pharmacy, pharmaceutical companies and the, and the health plans. And so Ravi Ika said he could build a cloud platform because he did it with his previous mm-hmm. company called Ica Systems. He built that to 34 million members. And, oh, okay. and uh, so he knew how to build big, successful companies. So he took that same prescription data and said, I can take it across the entire care continuum. I can take it all the way out to the point of care of chronically ill patients. I can look at the uh, typically nine different chronic care diseases and different prescriptions that are written for these patients who are taking 15 to 25 pills a day. Mm-hmm. And if I can get the right information in the hands of the physicians, they can determine how to take out 30 or 40 uh, percent of the prescriptions that are being written because they're duplicates or they're causing uh, side effects that, that could be avoided. And so RX Advance uh, launched in 2016, for its first year of revenue, we did $65 million of revenue. This year, we'll do $500 million. Mm-hmm. Next year, we'll be well over a billion. Um, it's one of the fastest-growing companies I've ever seen. Uh, we think uh, we'll be somewhere between 12 and $15 billion of revenue by 2020. It's only three years away. Um, who, who pay, how, do you, how do you make money? Uh, first of all, we are making money. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, we funded it without venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. We um, have raised about $30 million, and the company is already, uh, it's at break even uh, now moving into, into profitability. The company um, is scaling rapidly. Uh, we announced uh, just a few weeks ago uh, up in Boston that we uh, plan to add 2,000 people over mm-hmm. the next 18 months. Uh, and so if you go out to uh, you know, the traditional sort of high-tech uh, world, they aren't even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if we get to 12 or $15 billion, Stephen, by uh, 2020, we'll still only be about 2% of the market. But I'm saying, how do you, who, so in terms of you provide this, this service by helping basically 
I guess big people manage their care through you know, through big data. It sounds like. Well, right? here, here's how we think about it: five um, percent of the population is costing one point five trillion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. These five percent of the population are the chronically ill. They are people who uh, suffer from maybe nine different chronic care diseases. Like is like diabetes, things like diabetes and the, things you have to kind of. And it's called high comorbidity, meaning that if you are suffering from obesity, high probability that you have uh, obstructive sleep apnea, hypertension, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of these things are interrelated, obesity, diabetes, uh, COPD, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can add in other uh, serious diseases like, you know, cancer and so forth. So uh, this is what's killing the healthcare system, and these people are killing themselves. Uh, and a lot of this is avoidable. And in fact, uh, McKinsey uh, Global Institute uh, said of the $3 trillion of health spend we have every year, about $900 billion of that, just a little uh, bit less than a third, $900 billion of that is avoidable. So life, lifestyle yeah. changes. Uh, that and you know, fraud, abuse, misuse, uh, and a lot of it in the what's called the RX ecosystem, where RX Advance is. This is the uh, anything to do with pharmaceuticals, but not just the pharmaceutical products. It's all of the downstream implications so that somebody who's taking... 15 to 25 pills a day and probably has side effects from some of the drugs that weren't known by the mm-hmm. physicians writing the scripts. Um, if we can help give them the analytics, uh, we're basically bringing in transparency into an industry that's never had a spotlight oh, okay. at, at this level of detail who do before. You ch- who, pay, do you charge, who pays you? Do you charge the pharmacies or the patients or the no, medical systems? Uh, or? We, we are in the system, so um, we make our money working with the health plans because mm-hmm. uh, we can save them uh, lots of money, and and across the whole health system, it's literally, you know, tens of billions of dollars of potential savings. This is a kind of a SaaS-based model sort of thing. No, it's not yeah. SaaS-based. Uh, uh, the previous company that Robbie Ica, the founder of RX Advance, built was a SaaS-based company, and then he realized when he started RX Advance that the money wasn't just in giving people access to a technology license like SaaS. Um, but the money was in literally taking the cost, the medical cost of delivery of, of mm-hmm. health care out of the system. So for the, for the uh, eligibility group that we're looking at, the, this most seriously ill 5% of the population that's costing so much money, if we can get this information all the way out to point of care to get them to adhere to their medications every day, to avoid taking ones that are duplicates, which the physicians have mm-hmm. to make those decisions, that... We believe there's about $10,000 per patient who fits into this, this group uh, that can be saved every year. Well, scale that up, and you're talking many, many billions of dollars. So the insurance companies love you? Insurance companies love it. Um, and I'd say everybody in, in the healthcare um, payer industry, the insurance industry, knows who we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, you know, the company is a disruptor, yeah. If you were made kind of the czar of Obamacare right now, what would you do? First of all, uh, I'm absolutely convinced it's a solvable problem. Yeah. And it has, the solution has very little to do with what the politicians are talking about. Mm-hmm. So the politicians are, uh, from, the, from the left, would like to go to a single-payer system, and from the right, they'd like to completely disintermediate any role of the government mm-hmm. and grant it all to the states to decide. And so what you see is a debate going on in Congress between uh, 
those who want to repair Obamacare and those who want to repeal it. At the, the bottom line, it, it doesn't make much difference, you know, yeah. which, which way they go. What really makes a difference is how do you significantly reduce the cost of delivering health care, especially to these very, very sick people? Mm-hmm. Because uh, if there is really, let's say, $900 billion of avoidable uh, costs in the health care system out of that $3 trillion, why haven't we put more spotlight on looking at new ways of mm-hmm. delivering health care? Much like Amazon came in to e-commerce and said, hey, there's, there's, there's another way to do this than just being a, a brick-and-mortar retailer. And what makes health care different than that is that it's, it's a regulated industry. Yeah. And there are thousands of rules. So if you look at what RX Advance has built, our technology uh, is really about the complexity of thousands of rules or protocols of uh, being able to adjudicate, you know, all of these different transactions mm-hmm. uh, and to simplify something that's been overly complex. And in fact, we're able to take so much cost out of the delivery of health care that the major, I'd say, controversy that PBMs have had, pharmacy benefit mm-hmm. managers, is that people say, well, it's not clear where the money's being made. You know, what's this spread money called? You know, and who's making it? And how yeah. much do you get? And how much do the pharmacy, pharmaceutical companies get? And how much is that influencing the price of drugs? And the reality is that uh, we came back and said, hey, we don't need any of that money. You know, we'll make our money just on a flat fee of oh. a cl- every claim that we transact. And we want to be known as a company that, that gives you digital transparency across the health system, particularly for the um, what's called the RX ecosystem. Yeah, the transparency and the information is so important. I remember yeah. I met with a, a kind of a st- uh, health insurance startup, and they, they scrubbed the numbers, but they showed me th- these patients, and they said, like, listen, like our, these 100 patients are costing us 80% of the, of the cost. And they, like, one person is like, this person cost us you know, $4 million last year because they went to the emergency room 72 times because they didn't take their medication, basically. And they're saying we could pay a nurse or a practitioner to live with this person and save, you know, ninety-five percent of the money just to make sure that they take their stuff. So it's it's fascinating that like the sickest people, well, not sick, the pe- a small amount of users take so much of the co- make so much of the cost in the system, and a lot of it, as you're saying, and they're saying too, is preventable. It's lifestyle, it's habit, it's just it's information. It's like the last the last mile, so to speak, of healthcare is costing us trillions, right? Yeah. So the way I think about it is that. Uh, after Apple, I went into telecommunications, mm-hmm. and I was part of the founding team of Metro PCS. We built it up and eventually sold it for $9 billion to uh, T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. And then I went in, into financial services and, and uh, was part of the team called Intralinks, and we built that up, and we took it public, and then it, w- it was eventually sold. And I'm now in fintech, uh, where we're building, we think, one of the most interesting um, machine learning mm-hmm. companies to take the whole consumer credit score and to simplify and make it a real-time experience, make it more accurate. So invent and, and get rid of the old FICO scores and those kind of things? Well, um, we can go a lot beyond mm-hmm. what FICO has, has uh, been focused on. So, for example, if you're a middle-income person and your income hasn't gone up in 15 years, big customer problem, remember, start with the customer problem, yeah. Uh, and you want to get a big ticket item like $25,000 for a dental implant or buy an automobile or mm-hmm. you know, uh, major renovation on your house, 
um, if you have a 620 credit score, you'll pay 20, 21% per annum interest rate. Well, if you had a 720 score, 100 points higher, uh, you'd pay about 10% uh, interest rate. So we can help middle-income people expand their credit worthiness and purchasing power, borrowing power. Um, and the problem with credit scores today is that to get your credit score improved um, can take six months or more. Mm-hmm. And we can do all of this in real time with an interactive credit uh, scoring. And it's all based on uh, our what we call Beam AI technology at Lantern uh, credit. So uh, that's another regulated industry. Mm-hmm. I actually like regulated industries because it, 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 they're harder on the one hand because you've got to learn the domain expertise, but they're more interesting when you figure it out uh, because you have a longer time uh, to be able to take advantage of what what you built. Yeah, and there's lots of opportunities there because the yeah. regulation creates friction. Yeah. So what what I think will happen in health care. I think we have a very good chance of becoming a very successful role model mm-hmm. for what's possible to significantly change uh, the way people have thought about health care. Going back to your question earlier about what would I do if I were in charge of Obamacare, yeah. you know, I'd be out talking to people uh, in the high-tech world about how can we lower the cost of delivery of health care and give people a higher quality customers, patients, a higher quality experience. Well, if we are as successful as, as I think we will be, uh, there'll be other companies that will want to come out and mm-hmm. say, hey, I can do this too in some other sector. Maybe they'll compete directly with us. Maybe they'll do something different. It's a giant industry. Take Uber, for example. How big do you think the worldwide industry is for Uber? In terms of how big the transportation industry yeah. is? I, I have no idea. But it's, the, the, the addressable market for them is about $200 billion a year. Our addressable market... Uh, is $3 trillion a year. The specific part that we go uh, into is $840 billion a year, the, the RX ecosystem. The, the chance to remove cost uh, is estimated that $450 billion of cost could be removed. So the addressable market, the opportunity to mm-hmm. remove cost is gigantic. No one company is going to do it. You know, so it isn't that we're going to get all of that business. It's that we'll be hopefully one of the early examples that, hey, you can really bring major innovation into this industry that, that has been hermetically sealed from the kinds of things that are going on in, in other exponentially growing industries. So amazing. So John Scully from Pepsi. We covered Pepsi to Apple to Obamacare. We're solving all the problems today. John, thanks for joining. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying 
And the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.